You sisters know that my skin has been glowing lately, and I'm here to tell you my secret. Oak Essentials. You've heard us talk about their line of luxurious products before, and we're so excited to have them as a sponsor of OK Sister Podcast because now you can join in on the glowy goodness. You know Oak Essentials is legit because it was created by none other than our favorite brand ever, Jenny Kane. Oak Essentials is known for its simple approach to self-care with a lineup of foundational skincare staples made with high-quality ingredients that drive results. It aims to unlock healthy, glowing skin with decadent and hydrating ingredients that give you a luxe, dewy glow. I won't shut up about the Moisture Rich Balm. It's a nutrient-rich balm that supports collagen production and delivers serious hydration for a luminous glow. And a luminous glow indeed. The way my skin feels like butter after applying this balm. This balm will make you never want to wear makeup again. And you can apply generously during your night routine to lock in moisture as you dream. It's the definition of beauty sleep. Treat yourself or someone else this season. You sisters will get 15% off and a free organic honey-based restorative mask with their first order. Oh my God, what a deal. When you use code OKSIS15 at checkout. That's right. 15% off plus a gift with your first order at O-A-K-E-S-S-E-N-T-I-A-L-S.com. Promo code OKSIS15, OKAYSIS15. Go ahead and treat yourself. From luxurious skincare to meaningful self care, you deserve it. Welcome to OKSIS. We are two cultural observers and curious minds who happen to be related. I'm Scout. And I'm Maddie. Get ready for some serious sororal energy as we chat about and comment on one another's current fixation of the week. Ready, ready sisters? sisters? Hello and welcome back to OK Sis. My name is Maddie. And I'm Scout, and we are the sisters behind OK Sis Podcast. I am the older one. Hi, Mads. How are you? I love how you have to preface that. Uh, just to, you know, so that no one forgets you are the more mature and dignified one. Yes, that I am. That I am. I haven't seen you, I don't know how long it's been at this point, maybe three months, two and a half months. It's so funny because I think we're going on like week seven or eight of quarantine and the the time is just blurring. I am I don't know a time before quarantine. I'm not really sure what the time after quarantine looks like, but yeah, it's unprecedented for sure. Yeah, but the point I was getting was that you and I haven't seen each other, and that's a tragedy, and that was your opportunity to say, oh, yeah, I miss you, Scout, but oh, you didn't, uh, and it's okay. <laughs> uh, I miss you dearly, Scout. How has your mental state? Let's do a little uh, you know, mental check-in, because those, those check-ins are needed probably 15 times a day for me. Um, so we, you want me to tell you how I mentally am doing? Yeah. I am I am very invested in your mental well-being. Um so I'm anxious as fuck um last few days. I don't know why I think I'm like moving through a depressive episode that's just festering instead of moving through me, but at the same token, I'm super committed to staying connected to my meditation practice. I've been reading a lot of great books about self-development. So I think actually what's happening, which the ladies in my mastermind said, they think I'm going through kind of an up-leveling 
um, experience right now where I'm getting ready to grow my business and all these things. And I'm, I'm having a few spiritual breakthroughs and personal development breakthroughs during this time that they're saying this discomfort is coming because I'm up leveling. And so I'm trying just to lean into that and trust the timing of my emotions and trust the timing of growth and the process of growth and just kind of let go and let God kind of take the wheel on this one in the sense that I am in control of how I react to all this, but I'm okay. If the anxiety goes on a little bit longer, I will be okay. And so I'm, I'm just starting to realize that I am safe no matter what emotional state I'm in. Well, it's really helpful for about, that's very hopeful of you. Also, it's growing pains, which I think is a spectacular thing because you are aware that that things are succeeding and progressing for you. So I, I think you're in a good spot. Totally. It's just uncomfortable, but that's okay. Like I'm embracing that it's uncomfortable. And like, usually for me, when something becomes uncomfortable, I go into a depressive episode because of my bipolar. So I'm like rewiring my brain to be like, no, 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 this is a good thing. Like, you know, we should welcome this and experience it and accept it because it's going to lead me towards better things. So it's just, it's a lot that I'm learning and I, and I'm very grateful that I have the opportunity to learn that. That's amazing. I'm very, I'm very happy for you. Thanks. Sounded a little sincere. Um, how are you doing? <laughs> um, I'm doing quite fabulously. I am a complete delight these days. A very, very dramatic shift from the last time you guys heard my voice and my energy. Um, I think it has a lot to do with a gift that you gave me, Scout. You put me in touch with your meditation teacher. I, I guess you would call her. So Katie is a meditation leader and coach, and she listened to me gab on for about 20 minutes uh, about my issues and what I've been going through and uh, the the levels of anxiety I have been experiencing and the expectations that I've been placing on myself that are highly uh, unrealistic. And she observed all of my pain and put it into a 13-minute meditation. And I took her advice and went into the meditation without any expectations. And it was probably one of the most powerful 13 minutes I've ever gone through. Um, I'm not really sure that the meditation would work on anyone else because it was very, very specific to me and what I had mentioned to her as my struggles. And I just found myself uncontrollably crying, but not in a painful way, more in a very releasing way and a restorative restorative way, if that makes sense. Um, I'm not a very, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a more philosophical person than I would say spiritual. And this was just a very in tune moment with my mental state, with my body and with what I've been going through, not only for the past couple of weeks during quarantine, but also throughout um, the past few years and the self the self sorry reflection that I have been on this journey for. So it was, um, you know, I kind of I took what I learned from that 13 minutes that I had and this type of release, and I've just. I kept I kept coming back to it throughout my week when I became overwhelmed, whatever. I would just think really quickly. I'd be like, "Oh, remember that meditation? Remember how I felt? Cool." And it just it 
it was, it's like a permission almost for me not to feel so overwhelmed and just to kind of be okay and be, and, and lift those expectations and just not give a shit as much. So it was a beautiful gift, Scout, that you gave me and introduced to me. And that has been really, really uh, soothing me and helping me this week. Oh my God, that makes me so happy. I knew it because Katie has been making custom meditations for me and I've been having so many groundbreaking breakthroughs with them and I knew that she could help you and I was hoping that it would lead to this. So that makes me so happy that it was helpful. Thanks. Yeah, my energy has just been so much – just so I feel just so much more myself. I was having a lot of self-esteem issues, I think, the past couple of weeks as well that have kind of eradicated and I just I feel more myself, I feel more alive, I feel more energetic and I'm just I think I'm really um for better or for worse becoming adjusted to this new sense of life and routine and I'm a, I'm honestly like a little worried for the gore. Although I, uh, we always say like I want the quarantine to be lifted, I want this all to be over and go back to normal. I'm actually like kind of anxious for it all to go back to normal because it'll be another whole shift and another whole disruption in our life to kind of get yanked out of this current routine into another one. So, um. I've been just, you know, falling into into the normalcy that we've that this new normalcy, and now I'm a little afraid to go back. What have you thought about that at all? A hundred percent. I feel like I'm getting agoraphobic, to be honest. Like I am nervous for the time when I actually have plans. You know what I mean? Like to go to dinner and to do this. But I know that that's just us getting used to this, and that once the ban is lifted, or it'll be slow. It's not going to be like. The way we experienced quarantine was so fast and like everything changed within a day. I think that it's going to be lifted quite slowly and so it'll give us a chance to adapt back to that version of reality. But I do think it's going to come with transitions and challenges and I think, you know, but for now I think the best we can do is accept where we're at right now and making the most of our time in quarantine. Yeah, I agree. Um, Okay, so let's go on to a little cultural updates. Um, I just want to give an honorable mention and this has been the biggest highlight of my week and probably the biggest news of the decade. Sweetgreen has introduced plates into their menu. Oh my God. Is this like the exciting thing that you were like, I'm going to surprise you with? Yes, because this is the best news that I and you and everyone on this planet has heard. So Sweet Green has come out with Sweet Green has come out with plates. I have been saying that they need to come out with plates for years now. I have also said that somewhere in LA and somewhere in the West Coast needs to have a plate place because all there's these chains in New York and mostly on the East Coast like DC and Boston have them too where you pick a protein and you pick two veggie sides, right? It's like a build your own plate. There is nothing like that in the West Coast. Like, yes, we yeah, may have lemonade. Tender- no, lemonade is not the same. Tender greens is not the same as what I'm thinking about in New York. It's this it's this chain called Dig In. And Yeah, you and I went there, right? When we were in New York. Yes. I have always said that it would do so spectacularly. And I never understood why no one capitalized on it and made one of these types of types of places. So Sweet Cream has introduced plates. There are They worked overtime. There's this whole um, article about how they turned around these um, new 
this new menu with what would have taken a year in production. They did in a couple weeks, which is really, really awesome to see. And I am just eternally grateful for their persistence and their um, creativity. I am solely giving Sweetgreen all of their revenue during this time. I am so obsessed with them. It is delicious. Everyone go get the hot, sorry, honey chicken plate. The chicken is just mm, mm, chef's kiss. Okay, we've been talking about this for way too long, dude. Are you kidding me? Like, this is like, I'm watching this, like, we see tracks when we record, and it is just like a Sweet Greens 10-minute ad. Okay, we get it. They have plates. Move on. Oh, my God. This is something important to me. Shut up. Oh, my God. Okay. This is also my podcast, and I get to talk about whatever I want, and this is very important to me. Okay. Moving on. Jesus Christ. Since we, uh, I've been shamed for speaking. Um, the next topic that I wanted to address, Kylie Jenner has officially joined in, uh, TikTok. Oh my God. I was just about to say Instagram has officially joined TikTok. Um, she's on there. So there, there's a really big TikTok trend where people mouth really famous scenes from Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Oh, I saw um, it. It's so funny. She did it with her friend. What's her friend's name? It starts with an S. What's her friend's name? Stassi. Stassi. Yeah. It's so funny. They did the Kim Kardashian one. I was dying. So they, well, they did essentially all of them and they lumped them all together. They did various scenes. Are um, they quarantining together, Stassi and Kylie? They were not uh, before that one day that she that Stassi went over to Kylie Jenner's new thirty six million dollar mansion in the Hollywood Hills. She has a new house. Yes, so she's moved out of Encino. Why? Mo- or sorry, Encino. She's moved out of um, Calabasas. Why? I don't know. She wants this. She wants a new house in the hills. I guess she wants to be closer to LA proper. I'm not entirely sure. I mean, this house is sick, so I would understand why maybe she wanted to move, but. Um, Stassi came over there to hang out in the pool and take, uh, thoughty photos together and TikToks. Question. I see like all of these celebrities and influencers with beautiful nails that are acrylics and fake and nail art. How is this happening? I don't think these people are really obeying the quarantine. Hmm. I think they have individuals or at least or maybe their team is quarantining with them that's a lot to ask to be some like Kylie Jenner's nail team and you have to quarantine with her for like six months like that she better be paying her full time but I think they're just honestly having people come over and do it if if I had the option to live in Kylie Jenner's new ginormous mansion I would take it up for free. Are you kidding? Yeah. Okay. Good point. Oh, I'm so mad I don't own a house because you could have lived with me at this point and I'm just really disappointed in the progression of my life because of this exact moment that you won't, that you can't move in with me and I don't have room for you and it's, I'm just failing as a bigger sister. Truly. I mean, think about all the content we could have produced. We could have had a morning show. We could have had a fucking morning show, an evening show, a YouTube channel. We would have quit our other jobs and just been doing a reality live stream 24 hours a day. Yeah, we would have been like content hamsters, just like churning out like butter. Okay, can I say the next pop culture update? Sure. The the, the only one on this list that I know about. Okay, sure. Um, Okay, so Peter, the former Bachelor, is officially dating Kelly. And obviously this is crazy. I think for the first time in Bachelor history – 
the producers and the lead and the contestants wrote out a scenario, like planned the finale with like him and Maddie being together. I don't think they were ever together. And obviously Kelly being in the audience wasn't in the women's tell all. This was a hundred percent planned. I think he was with Kelly kind of the whole time and just had to like tie everything up nicely. That made sense in a reality TV narrative. And I'm pretty sure that they've been together the minute he dumped Hannah essentially. I think. I think that him and Maddie did have a closure moment. And then I think he realized that in all of this, like Kelly was actually a real human being who was at an emotionally mature level to be with him. And that the only reason he sent her home was because she wasn't fawning over him like a stupid contestant. You know, she was a real woman. Um, So they have confirmed that they are together. Yeah. Mazels are in order for sure. Um, do you remember when she was getting, when she got kicked off? It was the two on one with Mike Kenna, which is just so ridiculous that he chose Mike Kenna over her. Or no, no, was it no, Hannah no, no, no. It was Hannah Ann. It was Hannah Ann. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry, 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 sorry. I take that back. But I, only because Hannah Ann and Mike Kenna look like little children. So that's why I get them confused, you know? Yeah, and you'll see because you're about to watch Too Hot to Handle because you guys were recapping it on Deanna's podcast. You can't sit with me this week. Um, Francesca from Too Hot to Handle looks like Kelly and Victoria mixed into one human being. It's so weird. Oi, 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 oi. Yeah. Yeah, I keep I keep hearing about this Francesca girl. I'm excited to get to know all the Too Hot to Handle cast. I love a new cast. Amazing. Um, okay, next little pop culture update. The Met Gala was supposed to be um, – today when this podcast is released, which is very unfortunate because I I really look forward to the Met Gala every year. It is such a glamour and exciting event to kind of see even who is invited and who shows up and uh, obviously the fashion, but just the spectacle of it all. And I think really last year, Lady Gaga set such a precedent for being um, a host of it where she had like, it was more of a performance than it was just like walking down or up the stairs of the Met Gala. Um, so I was really excited because this this year would have been Taylor Swift hosting it with Lin-Manuel Miranda, which is interesting. But I think there would have been Wait, well, such a huge moment. What was the theme? What was the theme supposed to be? The theme, because the theme of camp last year, I was not into it. It was like Anna Wintour was trying to make a trendy word happen that no one had even heard of, and it was confusing, and people interpreted it too diff- like weirdly. So I wasn't such a fan of last year, though I am with you in the sense that I am a huge fan of the Met Gala, and I wait for it every year. I love looking at what everybody wore um, there. But what was it supposed to be this year? Oh my God, wow. The co-chairs of the 2020 Met Gala were supposed to be Meryl Streep, Emma Stone, Lin-Manuel Miranda, and I thought it was Taylor Swift, but I guess not. And then it was it, the theme was about time, fashion, and duration, and it's partly inspired by Virginia Woolf and the theories of the French philosopher Henry Bergson. So it would have been really, really, you know, uh, timeless and just super classic fashion. It would have been incredible, or not. It could have been like like a complete crazy decade situation where people like dressed as like Cleopatra you know what I mean like used fashion from like the 1300s or something crazy and like really went all over the top so either people I think would go you're right like super timeless or they would have picked the randomest decade century whatever and done a whole avant-garde couture situation on it regardless it would have been it would have been great so I think that is 
I'm really, I'm really feeling, you know, sports. I don't care to miss. I mean, Coachella was hit a little hard, but it's going to be rescheduled. But like the Met Gala, that's, ugh, you know, it's like always an exciting thing to look forward to. But oh well, it's like canceling the Oscars. Yeah, like it would have been so. I'm so happy. Oh my god, I'm so happy. Award season. I know this is like first world problem and kind of uh, tone deaf of me to say, but just like I am so happy. Award season happened when it did because I love award season. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm totally with you there. Okay, um, let's do. Well, no, let no, let's do content corner quickly. Um, TV. I started watching Normal People. Um, everyone knows my favorite book by Sally Rooney and the TV show has been released on Hulu. It is a limited series. It's 12 episodes. Um, it's hot and steamy. The The chemistry between the two, the two main characters is palpable and very sexy. I recommend it to anyone. I first would like everyone to read the book though first and then you can watch it. They're equally as good. Um, it's really nice to see it come to life. And what TV are you watching, Scout, other than Too Hot to Handle? Yeah, so I'm almost done with Too Hot to Handle. Um, I'm getting through The Office, which just brings me such immense joy. But as far as books go, um, update, I started reading on the uh, on my iPad, which uh, Mads and I talk about in an episode that's coming up later. So you haven't heard us talk about it yet. But we talk about how Mads had that whole thing with the Kindle because of Lauren Elizabeth and she hated the Kindle, but then she used the iPad and she really liked it. And I said, well, I have a big iPad that I don't use and I'm a big Apple person. So I tried reading and literally I this I'm recording this on Sunday just to give you guys an idea. I started reading on the iPad on Friday. I finished Girl, Wash Your Face by Rachel Hollis in less than 24 hours. And I'm about to finish uh, The Ego is Your Enemy by by Ryan Holiday. So I've literally finished basically two books from Friday to Sunday night. Um, I am loving reading on the on the iPad. So I'm like a reading machine right now. I am with you, sister. I am with you. Um, I read Before We Were Strangers in essentially a day. Um, just remarkable love story. And if you are feeling frisky during this time, I would highly encourage you to read this book. It it's kind of like um, a little softcore porny, but you know what? It's a beautiful, delicate love story and about misconnections and fate and time. And it's very, it'll warm your heart for sure. So I highly recommend it. And because God forbid, I was going to say, God forbid what? we get through an episode in quarantine without mentioning porn. You know what? It's unprecedented times. Um, I'm not quarantining with my boyfriend. So sorry. Like, this is just like what's on my mind. Okay, um, there was something else about TV shows. Did you see that Parks and Rec, the cast, is reuniting for like a quarantine charity event? Yes, that happened last week and um, I don't have cable so I wasn't able to find it. So I have to look up on Hulu tonight if it is now available to watch because I am dying because I am a Parks and Rec super fan. I have literally seen the series three times. So I really hope that they either put it on the internet. I haven't really looked or put it on Hulu so I can watch it. Yeah. I really thought of you when I heard that piece of news, piece of good news. Yeah. No, I'm very stoked. I am highly stoked on the situation. Great. Okay. You want to go through housekeeping? 
Yeah, so something that we haven't talked about in a little bit is that our Girl Gang the Label sweatsuit that says support your sisters, it's gray, it's super cute, super comfy during this time, is still on sale. So we'll leave a link for that in the show notes. Um, And then just if you dig being in the sisterhood and you like listening to Mads and I every week, uh, you can go to our secret Facebook group, OK Sisters. Uh, You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at OK Sis Podcast. And we also have a newsletter that you can sign up at our website, OK podcast.com or in the link in the show notes and we would really appreciate it if you would rate subscribe rate review woohoo and text this episode to like 10 friends like no big deal um so yeah that's a quick little housekeeping but we have amazing news we have our first guest on since quarantine we finally somewhat figured out the remote recording situation so go easy with us on the quality but we are so freaking excited we interviewed yola robert who's amazing who has her own podcast she's a forbes contributor all around incredible woman and it was so good to just have a chat i love chatting with you mads but it was so fun to podcast with somebody else yeah also she's extremely like-minded with us we got along instantaneously and we're so happy to add her to the OKSIS guest community. I mean, she's highly celebrated in the world of um, entrepreneurs and podcasts and um, everyone should go follow her. She has a sick Instagram presence. I I really love all that she contributes to the internet. And this was such a powerful conversation about more so like where she, where she came from and um, her type of the work that she does. And we hope you enjoy it, sisters. Yeah, enjoy. Sisters, my goal these days is to always look put together when I leave the house. Nothing over the top or super dressed up or anything like that. I just want to look put together and feel good about what I'm wearing in an effortless yet refined way. When I look at my closet every single morning and think about what I can wear that is chic and intentional, I usually end up grabbing one of my Jenny Kane sweaters and I always end up loving the way I look and the way I feel in them. You all know, sisters, that when I envision my highest self, I am wearing Jenny Kane. Their sweaters are the quintessential must-have item. I cannot stop wearing my Marina set. I throw it on and immediately feel like I'm in a Nancy Myers movie, like I could just walk on the beach in Santa Barbara. It is the coastal grandma aesthetic. My favorite Jenny Kane sweater right now is their everyday sweater in taupe. This is the definition of a staple that every woman must have in their wardrobe. Sisters, trust me on this one. I wear it with leggings, oversized jeans and a little kitten heel or a silk maxi skirt. Legit, Mads and I are so obsessed with wearing our Johnny Kane sweaters that we've literally shown up both wearing the same sweater once, the white alpaca cocoon crew neck, which is this deliciously oversized sweater. Yeah, that moment takes the cake. Both of us walking in with our matching Jenny Kane sweaters. We're obsessed. Can't take them off. Wearing them every day. The type of staples that save your outfit. That is what I love about their entire collection. It is truly the art of simplicity. They focus on comfort, quality, and timeless designs. You can curate a wardrobe that never goes out of style. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code OKSIS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order, J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E.com, promo code OKSIS. O-K-A-Y-S-I-S. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. 
Ever since having a baby, I've been extremely conscious about what I spend my money on and which products I use. And clothing is no different. I want my wardrobe to be sustainable, good quality, and timeless. You have to be talking about Whimsy and Row, right? Whimsy and Row is an LA-grown, eco-conscious brand born out of the love for cute, comfy, and classic styles. Every piece is made by women for women. Quality goods, local production, natural and organic fabrics. Yes, please give me all the linens. Just like OK Sister, Whimsy and Row is based on the idea that women are multidimensional. There's a balance of flirty feminine and minimal masculine in all of our wardrobes, and Whimsy and Row means exactly that. From special occasions to everyday effortless styles, their clothing is meant to mix and match and wear on repeat. I have been wearing their Kira pant in black linen probably three times a week. Sisters, if you've been listening to this podcast or following me on Instagram, you know that Whimsy and Rose Kira Pant in Black Linen is a sisterhood staple at this point. Founder Rachel Temko created the brand back in 2014 because she wanted to create an approachable and inclusive brand that cared for the people and the planet first. Get the full Whimsy experience IRL at their Venice location or shop online at whimsyandrow.com. Their store in Venice is so cute, I can attest. And if you're in LA, I highly recommend stopping by. They are always putting on these amazing community events. They just launched their spring summer collection and we will be living in it all summer long. Visit their website, whimsyandrow.com. That's W-H-I-M-S-Y-A-N-D-R-O-W.com and use code OKSISTER for 15% off. Okay, sisters, let's talk about hair shedding. Does the craziness of everyday life leave you stressed and shedding? Since having kids, have you started seeing a little more of your scalp? Hi, I've been there. When it comes to thinning hair, there are many root causes at play, and Nutrafol addresses them through a multi-targeted, whole-body approach. Ugh, thinning hair just isn't the vibe. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist-recommended hair growth supplement with over 1 million people seeing thicker, stronger, faster-growing hair with less shedding. Amen. Everyone's root causes of hair thinning are different, so a one-size-fits-all approach to hair growth just doesn't cut it. Nutrafol has multiple formulas that are tailored to give your hair what it needs to grow through different stages, such as postpartum, like me. After I gave birth, I noticed that around the crown of my head, my hair was shedding. I've been taking Nutrafol for almost three months at this point, and I am not kidding you when my husband, my friends, my family have been commenting on how long, strong, and healthy my hair has been looking lately. I mean, sisters, if you've been watching OK Sister on YouTube, you've seen my hair. While many supplements rely solely on ingredient studies, Nutrafol clinically tests final formulations to ensure their efficacy. In a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after taking Nutrafol women's hair growth supplement for six months. I mean, 86% is a lot of women. Take their hair wellness quiz on Nutrafol.com for a personalized hair health plan based on your specific root causes. Take the first step to visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code OKSIS. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code OKSIS. That's Nutrafol.com, promo code OKSIS.
Yola Robert is the host of the I Suck at Life podcast, as well as a business and lifestyle writer. Yola is a big advocate for mental health, self-care, and supporting women-owned businesses. A woman of our heart. Her love for storytelling comes to life on everything from fashion, dating, fitness, self-care, travel, to entrepreneurship. You can find her work on Forbes, The Zoe Report, Hot Living, and Elite Daily. Without further ado, Yola. Thank you guys for having me. It's been, I'm so excited. I feel like we've been talking about this forever and quarantine has like allowed us to do so. But thank you for having me. You're our first guest, technically. Like we've had past OKSIS guests on for happy hour, but you're our first official (gasps) quarantine guest. Yay, I feel so honored. I feel so honored. Okay, so a little backstory. I actually found out about you and discovered you because I was at South by Southwest a year ago when you moderated that panel with like all the all-stars. Like you had Jacqueline DeJesu. Yeah, DeJesu. Who we've interviewed previously. And then obviously Lo Bosworth and Cindy Ramirez. And literally I was looking- Were you at the, you were at, in the audience. I was in the audience, girl. I had no idea. What the fuck? I know because I, well, I went to go see Jackie um, oh, to support her. right. We were DMing and I was just like, oh my God, I'll come to your panel. It was, the, it was such a girl gang. And I was looking up at you guys and I was like, God damn, this is amazing. I wish I'm up there one day. I mean, you will be. I mean, that is not even a question. It's so crazy that you, I, I wish you would have said hi or something. I had no idea, but- What's crazy is that we, um, it all came together within like weeks, that panel. I think another panel dropped out and it just came together. Like I had known um, Lo, I'd never met Cindy in real life or Jackie, but I'd known Lo. And so it was so fun and it was like a good group of people like in the audience um, as well. And like no one really left which (laughs) whenever you're doing a panel and people start to leave, you're like, okay, I've stuck right now. Like I just, I'm just going to leave with you. Um, But that's crazy. I'm so sad that South by didn't happen this year. Were you guys going to do anything? I, I do not attend South by, but Mads is in that whole world. Well, Scout, we can attend. So I'm more of, I'm like in the tech space. I work at a tech company. So I, I kind of am in that world. So that's why I was there. But then I was like, you know, okay, sissing on the side. And no, but Scout, like South by is not just about tech anymore. Like it is this universal place where just like creatives and people gather and a lot of podcasts actually do things there. So Next year, we, sh- we should do a live podcast at, at South By. Okay, but like I get so much anxiety from big conferences like that. So I'm going to need like a buddy. I'm going to need a plan of action. You know what I mean? Like it's just like. And there's alcohol everywhere. That's the thing about South By. Everyone is fucked up from like 8 a.m. Yeah. <laughs> until 2 a.m. I mean, it's kind of like the business Coachella or like the professional Coachella. Yeah. Like that, all a lot of the people that activate Coachella also activate at Southway. That is such a good call. The business Coachella. It's so true. Everyone is just like ruminating about it's not like a annoying networking type of environment. Yeah. Like it feels very relaxed. And if that you wear like so- a suit and tie, like you're like need to leave. Wait, Mads, we should get on this now then for next year. They're probably planning their situation. 
No, we can get on it for sure. For sure. Cool. Um, okay. Let's do current fixations before we get too much into the discussion. Scout. I will go first. Um, my current fixation is the drunk elephant F-bomb electrolyte water facial mask. And what I love about it. Yeah, it's a mouthful. But what I love about it is it's not a mask that you put on and then rinse off and then finish. You put it on at the very last step. So I put it on after my moisturizer. Sometimes if I need even extra moisture, I'll put it on after my marula oil. Um, but I love it so much because it's an overnight mask. So it's just when you feel like your skin is a little bit dry or a little bit more dehydrated and you just want that extra moisture, you just leave it on overnight. I do it like once to twice a week maybe. Just kind of whenever I'm like, yeah, I kind of feel like waking up with a little bit more of a moisture in my pores. So it's really great. It's creamy and it's light, but it's also like you feel it soaking into you. You know what I mean? You could tell it's hydrating. It's like a mixture between a mask and a lotion, sort of. And I'm a big drunk elephant girl. So um, I'm super down for this one. I've been using it all the time. I love it. We yeah. love drunk elephant. Yeah. Sephora is having a sale right now and it's like in my cart. Like I haven't pressed purchase yet, but press purchase. Ugh. I was just going to say, I was about, I was going to purchase the, the vitamin C cause I'm in, I'm in the market for a new vitamin C serum and oh, I drunk elephant all the way. That's what I use all I the time. Know. I know, but I also have like, I have my Shawnee Darden in there. Yeah. It's just like adding up. <laughs> I'm like, I need to pick one like very expensive thing to handle at a time. Um, but I, I need my, I need to, I need to um, stock up on Shawnee Darden. That's for sure. Totally agree. I have so much like beauty product. I'm sure it's the same for you guys. It's been gifted or like uh, you get from wherever and it's like overload. So it's a good problem to have. Not going to lie. It's a good problem. I'm I'm into it. (laughs) Okay. So my current fixation, um, lately I have been really obsessed with this new Spotify playlist that I have integrated into my daily routine. So I used to, whenever I read, I usually put on like a jazz playlist, but it's, I've listened to it so much that I like know every song and that, and it's just like, it's run its course. So now I've been listening to this, uh, Spotify playlist called jazzy mornings. And it is just such a soothing way to just ease into your day. I put it on when I'm, I literally, right when I wake up, I put it on and then I, you know, go get my coffee and go da da da. And it's just like, it puts such a, intention on your morning and on your day and it sets that mood for the rest of your day where as usually I would put on a podcast and then it's just like chatter in my head which is which is good sometimes to be informed and like get creative but this is just such a nice way to ease into the day and I highly recommend it for anyone Mm, I love some bossa nova so I'm into it I'm into it too drinking your coffee and listening to jazz yeah, so romantic over here. Look at me. Do you listen? Is it bossa nova or is it jazz? It's jazz. It's oh, like okay. it's called jazzy. It's called jazzy morning. I'm a it- bossa nova girl over jazz. I love bossa nova so freaking much because it's the music mads they play at the Parker at um, Norma's at the breakfast spot, and that's like all bossa nova stuff. So it's like a little Cuban, a little Latin, a little elevator music going on. That's that's my jam. You're so um, skinny confidential. Oh fuck off. But yes, that's a compliment. Thank you. Okay. Okay, Yola, what is your current fixation? Um, this is really odd, but this week I've gotten into making jam. Ooh, tell us I more. I saw on your Instagram. I was so intrigued. I literally feel, have never felt more domesticated. 
um, I, if this doesn't make my boyfriend want to put a ring on me, like I need a new boyfriend. Um, <laughs> I felt, okay. So I, I, when I go to the store and I, this is a bad habit that I've been doing, I kind of get into hoarder mentality, right? Especially when something's on sale. So like a few weeks ago, the raspberries were on sale and I try to go to the store as minimally as possible, like during this time, obviously. Um, so I got like, I think six cartons of raspberry. There were $1.49 each. Like, why not? Damn. Um, and there was one or there was two cartons and they were about to get like, they were like getting to the point where they were going to like peace out on me. So I was like, what, the, what can I do with this? Like, what can I make with, you know, soggy raspberries? <laughs> so I Googled um, how to make jam and it was so easy. It's super simple. So for a pint of whatever fruit, um, like raspberries or blueberries or strawberries, one cup of sugar, you kind of mush the, the berries or whatever fruit it is. And then a few squeezes of lemon and you just let it boil for five minutes. And then you let it simmer for about eight to 10 minutes until it becomes like a jelly consistency. And then you pop it into a mason jar, lock it in tight. And then I soak it in an ice bath for 30 minutes to harden. And then you put it in the fridge and you're good to go. And like, everyone loves it. Even my sister, who's like a bitch to me and thinks I can't do anything right, um, <laughs> loves it. So Wow, that doesn't sound so complicated. No, it doesn't. Have you? Have, do you guys ever watch Holes? Yes. Oh my god, Shia I used to love that. Me book. too. So oh, in the book, book, everything, everything. Do you my remember? Life. Okay. Do you remember the peach jams that? <laughs> yes. So I was it, Madam. Um, I don't remember any names. But I just remember, remember the peach holes. jam. Like, got the onion peach jams. Got like found. Like that's how Shia LaBeouf survived. Yes, at the he end. The yeah, jams. yeah, 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 yeah. And then the guy who quit smoking and used sunflower seeds. But yes. yes. Okay. Anyway, I just feel like I just feel more connected to Holes now because I can make chance. This is the best thing I've ever heard. I'm gonna go watch Holes right after this podcast. I love Holes. Obsessed. Like it, when I was, I was such an emo child. Like that movie made me like if I can make it up the mountain and I can you know if, I mean if Shia LaBeouf and the other kids with the curly hair can make <laughs> it up the mountain kids. and survive <laughs> then I can survive my 12 year old life like I was so emo like it was yeah girl you're talking to the queen of emo preteen teenager life so I'm, was, I'm with you Scout was like the most emo kid like she would wear her hood on like during dinner and I'm like why the fuck do you have a hood what on the like fuck are you talking about i did not do that yes you did oh jesus you would always have a hood on and then my and dad would be like wait um do you ever notice that like scout puts a hood on a, a, during times and i'm like yeah because she's emo okay sorry that i was, <laughs> was poetic concerned. i was very poetic okay wait so this is great i want to talk about you and your sister so you live with your sister I live with my sister and then we have a roommate as well who wow. my my roommate now or like our roommate she was my first like she's like the manager at my first internship in LA and then we stayed friends and like now we're roommates so it's crazy wait who's older you or your sister I am but By she how many thinks years? four okay 
she thinks she's older. She's the younger one, but she's who's which wait, which one of you are? Who do you think? I would say Scout because she's married, but that's like such like a stereotypical thing to say. As in Scout's older. Yeah. Yes, I am older. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm three years older than Mads. Okay. Um, yeah, so it's almost similar. the same. Yeah. Yeah. But no, but my sister likes to think she's, you know, knows more than me, even though I've obviously like experienced more and like have seen more. Um, and she likes to like put her dominance on top of me. It's weird. Well, I think that within me and my sister's relationship, Mads, who is in the room, um, it's more like there's a lot of times where I know that it's Mads' decision, you know, like she's going to overthrow my decision no matter what. So I think that the younger child in many ways becomes the more dominant one because they are that younger, you know, they're like fearless. They didn't get as much into trouble with our parents, like all this stuff. They were so much more lenient. So I can see that for sure. Yeah. I mean, have you guys ever lived together though? No. Fuck no. Are you kidding me? Never. We would never. We would only live together if we lived in like a huge house and I was on one side and she was on the other. And we would like meet up for dinner meet up for dinner or like happy hour and be like or like by the pool like we wouldn't I because Mads and I get along so well we've only fought like once this year maybe in like a year and a half but our life is so not our life our our routines and our personality are so different in our living spaces that I would probably I would actually probably drive her crazy because I'm not super organized and neat and clean like she is so we just know for the better of our relationship we will never live together I can concur about that. My little sister is like type A OCD. Like if we, for instance, when I do my makeup, like I like to do it all, then do my hair, then get dressed and then I'll put things away versus my sister likes to, when she uses one thing, she has to put it back like right away where it was. I don't put it back. Like even when I'm done. Oh dude. my god, I would die. I would die. Yeah, Adam we share a bathroom. Like it's oh, bad. I could never <gasps> share a bathroom with you, Maddie. I would freaking die. One time we were in Paris, Yola, and I had like some sort of food poisoning or something, and she was doing her makeup in the bathroom, and I said, "Move, I'm gonna puke." She's like, "Ew, that's fucking disgusting." And I'm like, "Can you move? Like I'm going to throw up in this toilet." She would not move so that I could throw up in the toilet. Like this is my sister. This is what it would be like if. I lived with her yeah well if you can only imagine um but I mean we've also it's it's weird so I don't we grew up in Wichita Kansas like back home like we had a pretty big house like and so it was fine we didn't fight that much and also I think the age difference you know when I was in high school she was in like eighth grade when I was in college she was in high school and then it's our first time living together as adults and I moved to LA way before she did and so when she got here, like, she was, like, you know, didn't know anyone. So she moved in with me in my room, like, my other roommate. And it's our first time living together as, like, adults. Mm. And we don't have our, like, strict parents telling us what to do. And we can't, like, gang up on them. So it's, like, <laughs> it's totally different. It's such a different dynamic, I bet. So I want to know more about, okay, so how – how did you kind of venture over to LA? And I, I do want to touch on obviously your Forbes experience and contribution there. So kind of talk to us how you got sure. out of Kansas. Um, so I wanted to go to fashion school. That was my like dream. I was like, I'm going to fit them clearly watched too much of the Hills. Um, <laughs> and 
I, when I was 16, I have a, I have a cousin who lives in the Valley. When I was 16, I was like, I came and visited her and I was like, I'm going to go to fit him. Like, I'm going to go check it out. So I was 16 and I thought it was so cool because I went, um, I stuck into the Cooper design building and pretended I was a buyer and went to the sample sales. And then I was carrying around this huge trash bag. Like if you guys know, don't know, like you, you don't get bags. Like you have to bring your own bags a lot of times for sample sales. I used to work in the Cooper design building. Oh my God. Work at a, I used to work, which when you said that, it gave me like a little PTSD um, because I used to work at this fashion tech company and our, our uh, offices were in there. So that's so funny. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, but yeah, so I asked the janitor for a trash bag because I didn't have anything to keep the clothes in. <laughs> and I was buying. You're 16. Yeah. I thought oh I was, God. I thought I was like invincible. I hated like that another emo part or like, I thought I was like, so like woke and like beyond like, you know, I kind of was like for Kansas, I was a lot more cultured and um, I had traveled a lot more and seen a lot more, but I just felt like invincible at that age. And I wish I still had a little bit of that in me. Um, but yeah, and I walked into FITM and I, you know, was like, I want to go to school here with my trash bag filled with clothes. <laughs> and um, they gave me a tour and I like got an application and then, you know, I got in, but it was so expensive. I couldn't, like, I did the math. I was like, I can't be in debt for like 20 years. Um, so I ended up going to business school in Kansas. And then I, by the time I was like 19 or a little bit before 19, I was like, I have to get out. I hate my life. Like, which I did. I hated it. Um, and there was nothing there for me. And it was like, I have to get out. So what I did is I called up every PR firm, every designer showroom event production company, you name it, like that was tied to fashion because I still wanted to be in fashion. So I thought maybe I could be on the business side of things. Um, and I was like, can I work for you for free? Um, and I did that until this company called the Gallery LA, it's no longer around. Um, but they did produce like LA Fashion Week, Fashion Splash, like they worked with Nobu and like uh, Caesars Palace. Like they did a mix of entertainment and fashion. And they all, they were at Sunset Gower Studios. So they did all the events there. Um, and the girl that picked up the phone, Hope, who is my current roommate, <laughs> um, was like, yeah, actually, can you be here next week? We're doing uh, LA Fashion Week and we need extra volunteers. And I was like, yeah, I'll be here. She's like, great. Um, what's your email? Send us like your link so we can give you the credential, like, or I mean, like your info so we can give you the credentials. So I told my parents, I'm like, guys, um, I'm going to go to LA for like two weeks. I, I don't know when I'm coming back. And they're like, what? Like, you're crazy. So I went um, and I worked like 18 hours. I'm kidding, not 18, um, more like 12. <laughs> but um, I worked like 12 hours a day. I hustled. I was doing, I like pretended I knew how to style clothes. I knew how to like um, do the run of show and like work with the models and work the door and work with the vendors and the alcohol people. And I pretended I knew how to do all these things and I didn't. And again, I don't know. I just like read the room and like 
kind of followed people and like was like, okay, that's how you do it. That's how I'm going to do it. And that's how I got to LA in the first place. I just want to like point out how rad you are because one, you were put in an environment where you didn't know anything and you just figured it out. You faked it till you made it. You showed up like you were supposed to be there, like you had been there for years. And sometimes people don't understand that getting on a plane and going to another city for two weeks just to do something that you have no fucking clue what you're doing is the way to make the connection and get ahead, which is so cool. I mean, you it's obvious that you were doing that when you were 16, when you walked in pretending you were a buyer, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's what, but that's how I've always had to do things to get things done. Um, and so that's how I was like trained, like my brain was trained. That's how you do it. There was no. Yeah, it's tenacity. It's tenacity. It's, it's, it's grit. It's, you know, I, I totally agree. I think, I think we place too much value on quote unquote training or education or like, oh, I wasn't, you know, trained to do that or I don't know how to do that or no one taught me. It's like, no, fucking just go in. Just do it. And figure it out. Like that is I agree with you. That's a lot about a lot of how I got my successes. I just like I I stepped in and I just realized that no one else knows what the fuck they're doing. So we're all kind of in the same boat. And so you just got to have confidence and be adaptable and learn and have things stick to you and just, and just go. I totally, I love that. I mean, like I started a PR agency and I've never worked in a PR agency. I've never even interned, literally never even interned for a PR agency. And I get my clients in Mary Claire, Vogue, Who, What, Where, Forbes, Entrepreneur, all this stuff. And it's just about like, as you go, willing to make a little few mistakes and learning from them and kind of seeing what other people are doing and doing your research. And then you just get ahead so much more people are think you need to be so overly prepared when you really don't. No, you don't like, it's funny you say that because I know this like I knew a publicist she like got her master's in it from NYU and she thought she was like God's gift to earth and that no other publicist could get placements like her and she's like you know a has-been like it's like it doesn't matter that sounds so terrible but it doesn't matter like it doesn't it doesn't matter like it matters like your results matter like what you what you do what you do matters not what you say like Absolutely. Um, okay. So talk to us. You got to LA. Now, how did that turn into being a contributor for Forbes? Because we actually had, and I mean, you could talk about kind of like the transition, but we had, um, I don't know if you know, Liv Perez. She is also a contributor for Forbes. I don't know if it's like the same type of thing. So it's so funny. I know I've never personally met her, um, but a lot yeah. of pe- we know a lot of the same people. A lot of people are like, oh, have you met Liv? I was like, not yet. And she also has a podcast with Dear Media, I think now. So it's so funny because we like have almost like parallel kind of careers, but we've never met. Um, so I think she's with a different um, vertical. So we have like mm. different editors and stuff. But to to uh, backtrack a little bit. Um, so that first job, the boss was horrible. Um, I've talked about it like on my show on how like she was like pretty abusive and like back then it was 2013. Um, and the culture, it was before me too. And like, you know, the Hollywood entertainment culture was, wasn't that great. And I realized like I was becoming emotionally and like so emotionally distressed that what I thought was my dream job was no longer a dream, but it turned more into a nightmare. Um, 
So I had a semester of school left in Kansas and my option was to transfer to another school, possibly in LA, but not all the credits transferred and it would be an additional two years um, or a year and a half, I don't know. And then for me, it was like such a hard decision, but I decided to go back to Kansas and finish my, get my business degree. Um, sometimes I'm like, I wish I would have stayed, uh, but that's the decision I made at the time. I think I was scared. I didn't know what to do. I didn't really know anyone here. Um, and I wasn't making any money really, but I got also a job at Nordstrom working as a stylist, which you guys, I've never, like, I've never been a stylist. So that's another thing I like faked it till I made it. Um, but it didn't pay much like, you know, so when I went back home, I came up with an idea for a fashion app, um, like a, a closet, a virtual closet app. So you take pictures of your clothes and it would organize it for you. Um, and then you could go into other people's virtual closets and put together outfits for them. Um, and then brands could push new items to you and you could see what it would look like with your current wardrobe and buy it. Yeah. I love that. That's it's, amazing. It doesn't exist, clearly. Um, I think I was a little bit ahead of, this was in 20, again, like 13, I came up with, I, was it 2013 or 2014? Yeah, I came up with idea 2013 and going into uh, that next year, I kind of developed it even more and I won a business plan competition at my university out of a hundred teams. And I was like, oh my God, like that means I'm going to make it. Like I won money. I won like some support, whatever. But again, this was Kansas. So what I did is that I basically started pitching investors, just found them on LinkedIn or Facebook, like a creep. And like, I would take meetings with people in New York, Miami, LA, SF. And I would just, I didn't really have like a home base. I would just travel to wherever I needed to be. And I never told anyone that I didn't live in that city either. Um, I just was like, I'll, you know, the same thing. Uh, my dad works for American Airlines. If anyone's wondering how I could afford to do all of that, standby tickets. Just like a real oh. quick, I fucking love you. Keep going. Okay. <laughs> I know. Just wait, like my real story. quick. Just yeah. like girl. Yeah. Um, no, my friend, my friend from high school, her her dad was also a pilot, and yeah. she would just be like, "Oh yeah, I'm just gonna like go to Paris for the weekend." I'm like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah, like, people thought I was like so rich. I'm like, no, I'm yeah. just like you know, sitting in first class for free. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, love it. Okay. Um, Keep going. And it led me back to LA actually, because I found a, a good team of engineers. So I thought, so mm. I was like, okay, perfect. Like I'm going to pack up and like move back to LA like, and move to the West side. And this was when Snapchat was just starting to buy all the Venice property. It was like, the heyday of like Silicon Beach, mm -hmm. 20, 2014. Yeah. So, um, I had a wedding in San Diego though, for like, uh, a couple of weeks after I decided to like officially move to LA and I rolled down a hill in heels and I broke my foot. Um, <laughs> like full on oh yeah this is like if you're wondering where the inspiration behind I suck a life comes from like this is like the inspiration um I wasn't even drunk it was like 10 a.m it was just like the idiot part of me decided to walk down a hill that was like 
or like a road to a house that was shaped like this and like heels and um one of the heels got stuck in the crack in the road and then my I flew down the hill I rolled down my extensions came out my eyelashes ended up on the side of the road um I wasn't wearing underwear so like I flashed whoever was watching um oh my god I and then my foot was broken and of course my sister came over and just started laughing um and stared at me laughing like she literally crying laughing she was like I'm like help and she was like bitch I cannot help you like I can't breathe from laughing basically that would be natty yeah yeah we basically yeah so yeah. I was like please help me I'm dying um <laughs> So she had to get got two big guys to come pick me up and like they picked up my eyelashes too to give them to me. It was very nice. Um and then Ball everyone goals. at this like wedding brunch, it was like a post-wedding brunch, they were like, here's some Percocet, here's some mimosa, here's more Percocet, and here's an ice pack. You just have a sprained ankle. Um, but it turned out I broke all five of my metatar. Yeah, my metatarsals. So, like, all my five uh, toes. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, then I got put in a wheelchair and a cast and, like, a scooter. And so, I delayed moving to L.A. until I was, like, just uh, able to, like, scoot around and, like, use crutches, which was a terrible idea to move to L.A. as a gimp, to be honest. Like... Because when I first moved here, and I don't know how long you've lived here, but I tried to get a job as a bartender or, like, at a restaurant. And now looking back, like, of course I didn't get a job. I applied to every fucking restaurant on the west side, right? From West Hollywood to Beverly Hills to Culver City, Santa Monica, Venice, everything. But I was going in with my boot, right? Like, my, my boot. And, like, now looking back, I'm like of course they wouldn't want to have like a crippled person like working there. Like it's LA. It's like, that's like, uh, you, like you don't have ugly people, let alone like ugly feet, like working at your restaurant. Right. <laughs> um, so the startup failed because um, the engineers, one of them got deported and took the code. Um, oh shit. Whoa. Yeah. That's yeah. fucked up. I mean, it happens so much. Well, I feel like you should know this, Maddie. Well, maybe, like, a lot of times that happens. Yeah, I mean, everywhere I've I've worked, it's been – the IP has been very, very secure. So it's not, like, a small startup or, like, smaller – yeah. Right. And I'm actually, I'm actually developing a new app right now, but um, we don't work with, like, out – we don't, like, offshore any of the stuff and, like, they signed – but I made sure they all signed like very detailed, you know, things. And I was like, if we need the code, you will give it to us. Right. Like if we demand it and they're like, Oh yeah, it's yours for sure. I was like, okay. Well, that's how it was for me too. But uh, contracts don't matter, especially. So this person was, was doing his master's at USC. And then I don't all of a sudden not responding to Slack, not responding to email, not responding to anything. Uh, and at that point I was like, okay, like I have to make a decision. Like with startups, especially like, and I'm not a technical person. Like I learned how at the time, like to use balsamic and like to like wireframe as much as possible. And like, you know, no understanding like data, like building out the data structure 
and being able to speak to the engineers but as far as like actually coding on swift like i don't fucking know or python like i didn't know how to do that right right um and i didn't and i was trying to raise money at the same time so it comes to a point where you have to realize like stepping away isn't necessarily failing you're actually succeeding by stepping away because if you keep going you could actually take 10 steps back like mm. and it's knowing when to step away and pivot is like a success in its in itself okay, um, we're gonna highlight that real quick Okay. Because I think yeah. that, entre- no, because let I think that, let that sink in. Yes. But I think that entrepreneurs get so emotionally attached to their idea and their first business and whatever it may be that they might drive it to the ground and be completely like in love with it and blind to the reality of the situation. So to say to someone like, hey, just because it didn't work out or hey, knowing when to leave the room is a really good skill for a budding entrepreneur to have because a lot of the times people just are so emotionally invested. They don't know, like in any relationship, right? Even if it gets toxic, they can't leave. It's the same exact thing. So what you said is so smart for you to re- like recognize and realize at that point. And I hope that other people who are in that same sphere can take that lesson too. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what industry you're in. If it's to the point where like, for me, I'll be honest, my bank account was like, I had like a few hundred dollars left. Like, I mean, it was like, it was like, I'd be fucking psycho to try to keep going. And because what, I, for what I have to do, like I would need more money and no investor would it, like, I was taking these investor meetings still. And like, they were like, wait, your engineer took the code. Like there's something wrong with this business, like in the foundation of it in the first place. And I was 21 or 22. I was like 21, 22. So it's like, I wasn't either like developed, probably not the best developed to be a CEO either. And I think a lot of media and, and, you know, a lot of these, the Mark Zuckerberg effect of like being like this 20, 21 year old millionaire, like kind of maybe I bought into that Kool-Aid. I don't know. But at that time I was like, I have to step away. And it was such a hard time. It was like having a funeral, like watching your baby get killed. Like it's, it is hard. Like it's not, not easy, but I knew that I would go down with it as an individual if I kept going and I would hurt a lot of other people around me. And so I have to That's so self-aware. I love that. Okay. Well, I mean, it's still a fucking great idea. So it is, I, I like, if someone came to me and was like, can you be like the creative director or like consult on something like this? I would a thousand percent like, I'm like, okay. Like I still like, you know, I lived and breathed it for like almost two years. Um, and I think it'll happen, but until like virtual reality and AR and, and more of that stuff is readily available on all of our devices, like it might take a while. That's fine. You might've just been too, too, uh, premature in it. And I think, yeah, it just needed to kind of muster up. So, okay. So talk to us about now how I got in- writing. So now I'm, so, so, now you're <laughs> so I'm officially in LA. I'm like kind of homeless, like sleeping on my friend's couch. Well, no, the same month that I decided like I had to quit, my roommate and I got an, uh, a gas leak in our apartment. We tried to sue the landlord. He kicked us out instead. We didn't win that one. So we ended up having to crash on our like friend in Venice. Like we lived across the street from Snapchat. So we became friends with the Snapchat people. We'd go and eat all their food. 
they had a great buffet. Um, so, so one thing that I always was really good at was writing. Um, like when it came as an adult, when I was younger, I mean, I still have ADD, dyslexia, I stutter, like you name it. I never went to journalism school back to like saying like, I've never been formally trained. Um, the way I got into writing is I had a bad breakup and I wrote a blog post and an elite daily editor found it. She didn't publish that, but she was like, Hey, do you want to like try writing something else? It's like, okay. And so I wrote, um, the first story I wrote for Elite Daily was 30 Thoughts Every Woman Has While Working Out. And it got over a million views within a month. And so they're like, okay, you can write for us. And um, (laughs) so, but I wasn't getting paid. I wrote for Elite Daily for free. It was just like, it was something that I was like, I didn't even know I could write or like I could be a published writer. So I just kind of leaned into it. And then when I, um, I think, my business plan was always really strong. Like I always was good at writing and like convincing people and things via like via writing. Um, And how I like stayed afloat during that hard time was ghostwriting for people. Mm. So ghostwriting your blogs or like their pieces on entrepreneur, business insider, Inc, Forbes. Um, And then my next job, the job I had was I, one of the VCs that I had pitched actually needed a ghostwriter. So I started ghostwriting for him. And then he was like, so whatever happened to like, blah, 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 like the app, it was called closet app, closet app with a K Um, (laughs) and a Z, not an S. And then I told him like, I fucked it up. Like I failed. And anyway, he had this fund and he was like, well, we need, you know, help on the marketing side. So I joined the fund and I ended up doing a lot of, the um the scout uh, the due diligence process for uh new businesses like whenever we'd get the deck sent in uh the onboarding for new businesses that we would invest in or startups they had an incubator so like working with the incubators on their marketing plans their social media plans um their content strategy and then internally for the the fund um so then that's how i like kind of got more of the business, learned more of the business side of writing. And we were dealing with a lot of big investors and like other investors, a lot of other bigger companies. I was like meeting, you know, I, we were traveling around the country. Like now that's so funny. Like we went to the Hamptons with the Cuomo's like one year it was like, oh, I don't wow. know. yeah, I know. Right. Oh. Um, name drop. yeah. Name drop. Let me pick that back up. Um, <laughs> But yeah, it was just like, I got more into the world of business and I started to, to see also all the uh, potholes that I had missed out on having a startup, like pitching investors, vice versa. Um, but eventually it was like, I am writing all this shit from my own head. Like it's not their shit. I, sh- I should have my name on it. And the, unfortunately, um, the founder had like personal issues and the fund dissolved. Um, that's a whole other story. But then I was unemployed and I wrote a book and I was like, I need to like, all the publishers rejected me because I was like, you're not famous and you're not a writer. I was like, great. And I remember I asked like the fat Jews manager what I should do or like the fat June's manager. I was like, what should I do? Like to like 
not become famous, but to become like known at like respected in like the content world. They're like, make a sex tape. And I was like, wow, wow. Uh, and I was like, no, fuck no. Um, and I, all the, the publishers all said like, you need to like find a, a column, like become a writer, like a published writer. The elite daily stuff wasn't like, like was too cheeky. Um, and then you need to grow your social following or like become a thought leader. It's like, okay, fuck, like this sucks. Like I had like 2000 followers on Instagram, like at the time. Um, so then I, I made it my mission to, to, you know, find a place, a re more reputable, like serious outlet to, to write for. And I will tell you, I, I pitched so many people, like all I was doing was pitching. I was unemployed and no one got back to me. It was by chance that I was an event, uh, at a Bumble event. And, um, one of the, the Forbes women editors were there. And I went up to one of them, Ruthie, whom I love to death. Like I owe her my writing career. Um, I was like, hi, my name is Yola, blah, blah, blah. I was like, I deserve to write for you uh, because I've been ghostwriting for quite some time now. And she's like, what? And I'm like, yeah. And I was like, but I deserve to write for you. And also not a lot of people, um, you don't have a lot of writers who are living in LA and are seeing this like influencer celebrity um, trend of like creating businesses and becoming entrepreneurs. Uh, and that's not being covered really. And so she was like, here's my email, email me, we'll do it, we'll, we'll talk further. I did a test piece, it, it did well, so I, I became a contributor. And then I think last November, I got promoted to senior contributor, which means nothing except it's like the 2% two per, two of contributors are senior, I guess. I don't fucking know. It's not a pay raise or anything. But that's exciting. Well, kind of, yeah. I mean, it's very exciting. <laughs> wait, so I wait. <laughs> Your tone. <laughs> yeah, very sad. No, but I mean, this is incredible. So not only did you, you know, go up and have the the courage gumption. to approach the gumption to approach gumption. this woman, you also knew the hole that they were missing, right? You didn't just go up there and say, like, hey, I want to write for you and like then yeah. have her like, hey, what the fuck? Like, what do you want to write about? You were like, I know that you have a hole in this market and I can feel it, which like, I don't think a lot of people are willing to do that work to really see that and reference that, which is, which is incredible that you, that you did that. But I also, I kind of want to talk about, so you got, you got this contributor title, but I'm still not seeing like the connect between like you have such a reach and a network that is so solid and which I, I mean, I know just from your Instagram and the people that you've been associated with and who you've probably written about, but did that all come from Forbes or was there kind of another added element that we're missing here too? I would say I like started to become friends with like a lot of influencers. I think, um, that if, I don't know if that's like, how it happened but and then I had friends who worked in not, like entertainment industry like one one of my best friends worked for Golden Voice and like mm -hmm. it was just kind of like going out and networking and connecting in LA and when I first you know moved here in my fucking boot still 
um, going to the club. But like, I know this sounds weird, but I met a lot of like random people like going out in the beginning. And it, it kind of, they, like I would meet them and then I would see them at events and they would invite me to these cool events and I would go. And then I, even though I wasn't a part of like the LA, like, like nightlife scene that much, mm -hmm. but I would, I knew enough people to where they would invite me to these events where actual, like, I'm going to say cool people, but like people who didn't, their career wasn't going out, like that weren't in nightlife I connected with. I think that's a lot of it. And then when I, when I had the startup, I, I also connected with a lot of people then. And then at the VC fund, like they, I connected with a lot of influential people working. What tips would you give someone who's looking to network in a big city and to start their career, but wants to network? Cause it seems like you're an amazing networker. What kind of tips would you give them? Um, first and foremost, go to any event that you're like, invited to if you're not invited to events literally go to meetup.com or like go to facebook like like they, their event page like use hashtags on instagram like you can hashtag like los angeles event or la like marketing event or new york fashion event or something like that or eventbrite like use do that find the events that are like free or open to the public or, I mean, I mean, I guess there are events that you can pay as well, pay as well. And then start going to those and like start making friends at those places. And then you're going to start getting invited to stuff. Right. And so you say yes to everything. Um, Cause you never know who you're going to meet and what you're going to learn and what resources you're going to find. You might be going to something that seems so like lame and like you're embarrassed to go to but there might be one person there that's super dope and you guys connect and like like just be open yeah and like yeah. don't look at when you go when you try to network don't look at people as like as objects that you can get things from just go to make yeah, friends and make like friends. make yeah. friends yeah. like legit make friends like even if they're not going to become your bff like or acquaintances if you want to call them and also always think about what do I have to offer? What value do I bring to the table that I can bring into the room? Um, so I think that I that's kind of what has, what has helped me, especially in the very beginning when I didn't know anyone. I love that so much. It's really, it's really good tips because I think that a lot of people are afraid to put themselves out there, but just going to meet people in person can make a world of difference. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your podcast real quick and how you started that and what the deal is and tell all of our sisters about it. Yeah. So I, obviously there's a theme, like I'm, you know, I, I'm starting to get good at shit and then something happens. <laughs> like it gets sucky <laughs> real quick. Like, um, so I, by the time I had, you know, when I got unemployed, I started this Instagram meme page called I suck at life. So you don't have don't to. And that was the title of the book as well. Um, so I would just post, I would have people like DM me their sucky moments and I would just post them anonymously. Um, so the podcast Instagram page that's there now used to be a meme page. <laughs> um, that's kind of how it started. And I was like, okay, I'm going to write a book. And it was about kind of, it was a guide for millennial women on how not to suck. Um, just taking my experiences. 
And so that kind of, I didn't even think about starting a podcast until I had been writing for Forbes for like eight months. And I had been interviewing a lot of like big people and I would have to record the conversation. Mm. And some of my friends were like, I'm obsessed with this person. Send me that like voice memo or the Zoom or um, your like your recorded phone call, whatever. I was like, okay. And one of my friends was like, you should just start a podcast. I was like, but how, like, how do I do that? And I was like, I'm not going to be Joe Rogan. Like, like that seems like a lot of work <laughs> like, and I don't have any equipment, nothing. So of course I took to the YouTube and I spent two months YouTubing how to start a podcast, Redditing, Googling, like all those, all those things. Um, and I started just recording on my phone and the audio sucked so bad. Um, and I used anchor and I used garage band to edit. Um, and the content was good though. And I think that's why when I got connected to Dear Media, like I was shocked they even like wanted to have me into the network. I was like genuinely shocked. Um, but then when I signed with them, I, we spent like the summer like rebranding and like, you know, um, this was last summer and like putting it re-strategizing and then we relaunched in October but the whole theme about goes back to like so I suck at life like it doesn't mean you suck at everything right but after interviewing all these big CEOs and celebrities and entrepreneurs and executives and I would get to know them off the record I was like wow like they're not perfect like I I think some of the people even I almost had like this false like idolization of like how great they were and then you meet them and you're like wow you're not that great like not that they're not great but like <laughs> they're human never never they're meet heroes yeah exactly like they're not like this like larger than life like they're real they're humans they have flaws and I I really wish my younger self had like known those things and known that it's okay to fail and it's okay to get back up and try again and it's nothing you might not ever have it figured out but it's like a journey and that's kind of what I learned from interviewing a lot of people and every time I interview anyone whether it's for Forbes or on the podcast I learn something new um but that's kind of why I wanted to do the shows like I feel like there's a lot of people especially young women like 20s 30s who are just trying to figure out life and like we feel like we suck at like relationships and like you know jobs and skincare and fitness and you know looking cute and as being aestheticable that's not a word on Instagram and like let's make it a word aestheticable um and I just wanted to bring a voice and a, and a light to the podcast world that or whatever it's um, to the world, not the podcast world, but to the world that it's okay to fail. It's okay to suck at things. And we're just all trying to figure it out. Oh, we love that so much. You're amazing, Yola. You guys are amazing too. Oh my God, stop. Wait, are we all wearing names? Mine is, we're all wearing our names. Mine says, okay, sis. Oh, okay. Yours. Mine says Shoshana in Hebrew. Okay. Mine just says Yola. Um, 
just in case, you know, Zoom forgets our name or (laughs) forgets who we are. Identify us. Okay. This was an incredible chat. I think there were, you know, as Scout and I were saying in the beginning, like we haven't done a guest in so in so long where we really deep dive into them and that we haven't met and we haven't really, you know, had an experience with. So this has been just so refreshing. And I mean, obviously you're you're so accomplished. You should be so proud of again the tenacity and the confidence and the courage you've had throughout your career and throughout your life because it got to you got you where you are today and um we love you love you guys too and I and I want to meet you in real life like again Maddie like and and you too Scott when when this is all over like uh, I don't know we can do like an IRL like live happy hour we're doing if you for you guys that are listening we're virtually happy Yola Yola you gotta like come on oh my god holy fuck Oh yeah, no, I'm like, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to pour myself the next time. So we're going to record yours right after this. So I'm going to pour a fresh, a fresh glass. Okay. But first tell everyone where they can find you, where they can find the podcast, everything. You can find me on my personal Instagram at Yola Robert. And then the the podcast, you can find it anywhere. You can listen to podcasts. It's called I suck at life. And the Instagram is I suck at life podcast. Um, and don't worry, if you suck, we all suck. We'll get through it together. Woo! What a t- <laughs> I love it. I love it. And you can find us at OK Sis Podcast. Thanks, sisters. Love you. Thanks, sisters. Hey there, I'm Dr. Tracy Dalglish, clinical psychologist and couples therapist. If there's one thing I know from both my personal and clinical experience, it's that we are really good at comparing ourselves to others. We tend to get stuck in the unhelpful narratives that play on repeat in our minds, and we struggle to set boundaries and create healthy love. Each week, I bring you clinical knowledge and evidence-based research, experiences of sitting in the therapist chair, and being a wife, mother, and business owner to talk about everyday issues we all face to help you change the dialogue in your life. Tune in every Thursday to I'm Not Your Shrink wherever you listen to podcasts. While I'm not your shrink, I am still human and I'm excited for us to be in our vulnerability and humanness together.